Hello and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in the upstate of South Carolina. I am your host, as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in the upstate. You can find, as always, all of my contact information in the show notes. Should you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs or just want to discuss the podcast, um, if your name is Chris, you might be uh, trolling me by text messages about my podcast content. That's fine. I can handle that. Um, Contact me however you guys want. Um, And as well, just a reminder, uh, obviously, you can listen to this on whatever platform you want to. And whatever platform that is, please go ahead and leave a rating and a review. I'd appreciate that. Subscribe to the show. If for some reason it's not on the platform that you want it to be on, let me know and I will try to get it on there. Today we are going to be talking about as-is offers, which up until, uh, you know, really the past year, year and a half, uh, we didn't see these a whole lot except in very unique situations. And um, the reason why that has changed is because things have gotten so much more competitive with buyers that they are trying to find uh, the slightest ways in order to make their offers more attractive. And really the simplest way to make your offer more attractive outside of just increasing the price is to start waiving contingencies. And we've talked about this in the past. There's a lot of different contingencies in a standard contract, financing, appraisal, uh, termite letter, etc. And one of them at least here in in the upstate of South Carolina, I can't speak to what uh, some of the other states are like, but one of the main contingencies, contingencies that we have pertains to inspections and how those are handled. And uh, I've talked about this in another episode. There's an episode where I talk about how uh, Greenville's contract is super weird, the standard real estate contract in this area. I recommend you listen to that, particularly if you've never done a real estate transaction here and you're looking at potentially doing that. Um, Listen to that episode. I don't know what number it is, but uh, I believe it was around 30. Um, Give that a listen, and uh, it it specifically states in the title something about the Greenville contract. Um, But we talked about how there are three different inspection options. There's repair procedure, there's due diligence, and there is as, quote-unquote, as is. Um, I'm not going to get into the other two because I've already talked about that, but I'll remind you what the as-is option uh, indicates. When you select as-is, you're not just saying that you're not going to ask for repairs to be done, although you are saying that as well. What you're also saying is that you will forfeit your earnest money if you back out of the contract based on the condition of the property. You're essentially saying that you're comfortable with the condition of the property and to the point that you're willing to risk your earnest money. That is what we're talking about here in Greenville when we talk about an as-is contract. At least, that's usually what we're talking about. It, it can vary in some other instances. For the purposes of this show uh, and, and this episode, that's what I'm referring to. Now, uh, so in essence... If you check that as-is box, you're essentially waiving your inspection contingencies. You can still have inspections done, and it specifies that in the language of the standard Form 310 that we use uh, among realtors. Um, But you're you're essentially waiving 
the uh, ability to back out on the basis of that inspection, whatever inspections you end up doing. Now, just as a reminder, you can select as is and still do a termite and moisture inspection and still have that contingency because that is its own contingency. So you can have an as is contract that is still contingent on it being free of termites and moisture issues. Um, and, and that can sometimes be a good way to go about it as well to protect yourself from something major like that, that perhaps you don't have an eye for. Um, that's something to consider as well. Um, but in some instances, we're seeing people uh, waiving the termite inspection, which we colloquially call around here the CL100. That's the, the form that it comes on um, when the inspection is done. It's a state-regulated form. Um, the CL100, uh, we're seeing uh, in instances where that is waived and where all the inspection contingencies are waived as well. Um, and people are basically saying, uh, hey, if we find anything wrong with this house, we are just going to either accept it as is or lose our earnest money. Now, before I go any further into uh, why you would consider that, well, let me just say, the only reason you would consider that is if you are in a competitive offer, a multiple offer situation, you're really trying to make your offer attractive. That would be the only reason why you would do that. Otherwise, you should always uh, try to give yourself as many contingencies as possible as a buyer, and that's always what I recommend to my clients. And I never recommend to my clients that they go the as-is route. I always recommend uh, that you waive inspection contingencies I, I, sorry, I always recommend that you keep your inspection contingencies, that you don't waive them. Um, however, at the same time, we have to be realistic in this market. Even if it's not my recommendation that you waive those contingencies, um, sometimes you have to make your offer more competitive. And so usually I will explain to my clients, this is a way that we can make the offer more competitive. Here are the risks of us going about it in this way. Um and at the end of the day, everything here is about risk mitigation and risk tolerance, right? All those contingencies that we have in a contract, they're trying to lower the risk for you as a buyer. Uh, and from the seller perspective, they're seeing that as higher risk for them. So everyone is, is assessing an offer that is made from a buyer to a seller. They're all assessing it from the standpoint of how much is it and how many risks are there for each party. So what are ultimately the risks of going this as-is route? We've alluded to some of this. I've alluded to some of this already. Um, but the first thing is that you're risking your earnest money. And this is a much bigger deal for some people than it is for others. Um, and what I mean for that by that is if you're someone that has quite a bit of money in the bank, and losing two or $3,000, which, you know, on a $200,000, $300,000 house is what your earnest money would, would typically be, losing that amount of money, obviously nobody wants to lose that, but that might not be the end of the world for you as, as a buyer. Um, that is a big consideration. If you aren't someone that has a lot of money in the bank, let's say that you have, you know, $10,000 in the bank, and you've got to put earnest money, uh, you've got to put your earnest money down, but your down payment, uh, ultimately, when you go to close, and you've got closing costs and all of that. Um, and if you lost, you know, two or $3,000 in earnest money, 
that would really set you back substantially. Um, now, at that point, you should probably take a step back and consider, okay, maybe going the as-is route is not the best way. That's a really risky, that's even riskier if you don't have money in the bank. So you have to consider your personal situation first and foremost. Can you afford to lose that earnest money? That's a really important question. Um, and then let's say additionally, to, to build on that, let's say that you do purchase the house as is. You don't ask for repairs. Maybe the inspection flagged a few things you were willing to, to move forward with it anyway. Um, but then you move in and immediately something goes bad. The AC unit goes bad. You have to replace the AC. The water heater, you know, the inspector flagged that the water heater wasn't working very well. Well, it turns out you just need to replace the water heater. Are you in a position to financially to take care of that? Is that something that you're able to 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 handle and to pay for after closing? Um, if not, again, you're exposing yourself to greater risk. You as an individual, there is inherent risk with doing an as-is type of offer, but there's even more risk for certain buyers, particularly the buyers that don't have a lot of money in the bank. They need to really uh, take a step back and consider what the worst case scenario could be. For for buyers that have a lot of money in the bank, for some people, I've heard them say two, three, five thousand dollars. That's a drop in the bucket. They're willing to risk that. It's not a big deal. They just want the house. Um, so that is a a big part of this is your personal situation, um, and as well just how much. Like I just said, how much do you want that house? You know, again, you might have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. But nobody wants to lose two, three, four, five thousand dollars. Nobody wants to. He, he, Jeff Bezos, you know, wealthiest man in the world. I can assure you that man uh, does not want to just lose three thousand dollars over nothing. Nobody wants to lose that money. Um, and so, uh, part of the consideration too, if if you are in that camp where you do have a, a substantial amount of money in the bank, a substantial amount of money in savings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a good salary, all of that, maybe it's a situation where, you know what, I, I don't want to lose this earnest money, but man, this house is so unique. This property is so unique. I don't think I'm going to see this again. I don't want to miss out on it. I'm willing to risk that money. That is a uh, a consideration. I've run into that with some of my clients in the past where they're just like, can't lose this house. I will do whatever it takes in order to get it even if I'm uh, putting up uh, substantial risk for myself. So that is a consideration. Um, with regard to the property itself, okay, now pivoting from you as the buyer to the property itself, you need to consider how risky the property is, right? So ultimately, what you're risking is your earnest money. But then how much of a risk is that earnest money in the long run? How much of a risk is it that you'll actually lose it? Because remember, um, at the end of the day, yes, going the as-is route means that you're not going to be asking for repairs. Most of the time, an inspection only reveals a few hundred hours worth of repairs anyway, and a lot of it is ticky-tack. Really, what you don't want to run into is a situation where a major aspect of the house is, you know, is wrong. The structure, 
uh the water sewer has ha- plumbing has problems um you know there's major issues with the ac with the heat with the roof different things like that and um just a reminder if you go back and listen to my episode about the weird greenville contract there are times when the repair procedure which is kind of what most of the time we use uh, in in situations where a buyer is making an offer. Um, The repair procedure only protects you to a certain extent on that stuff anyway. I mean, if the inspection reveals that the roof is super old, it doesn't really matter. The the seller is not obligated to replace an old roof. Is the roof free of leaks? Then the seller uh, is uh, basically in compliance with the repair procedure at that point. Is the AC working, but it's 25 years old? Repair procedure says that there's nothing that the seller has to do. So you have to keep that in mind. The risk from going from repair procedure to as is really isn't as big of a risk as you might think. Um, As long as you are careful uh, when you do the showing, when you walk through the house, that you look at things very closely. And I always recommend to my clients that they do that for repair procedure anyway, for the purposes that I just explained. You you don't want to be surprised when the, inspect, uh, when the inspection comes along that, oh, the water heater, the AC unit, and the roof are all super old and will be need to be replaced in the next five years. Most people don't, don't want to hear that. And so it's good to know that on the front end, but you, it, it's really important when you're talking about uh, an as-is house. Now, um, if the house is newer, of course, then you've mitigated a lot of that risk. Let's say it's a it's a house that's less than five years old. Well, um, you know that roofs last twenty to thirty years. ACs typically last fifteen to twenty years. Water heaters typically last ten to fifteen years. Um, code is stricter now than on older homes. So uh, to an extent, there is a relatively low risk of of structural issues. Um, And so again, you look at that, you already know, you you don't have to look at all the ages of everything when you know that the home is only five years old, or, or, you know, younger than that, you have just lowered the risk of there being a problem with one of those major categories, just by virtue of the fact that it's a newer house. I feel much more confident with my clients going the as-is route, if it's a newer home in general, there's a lot less that can go wrong. Um, if it's an old house, well, <laughs> um, now you're taking a, a big risk. I mean, old houses, and, and by old, I mean, you know, let's just say greater than 30 years old, even though there are some 30-year-old homes I wouldn't call old. Um, but once you start getting, you know, around 30 years old and older for, for houses, that's those are the homes that tend to start having increased problems with them. And so you need to consider uh, you need to think long and hard about going the as is route for a home that age. There, there could be all sorts of problems, even if those major systems that we just talked about look okay and, and don't seem that old. There are all sorts of things, all sorts of skeletons in the closet uh, that could, be there uh, with a home that age. Um, I will say, though, on on the playing the devil's advocate, if the home is priced appropriately, then maybe again you're willing to take on that risk. You're saying, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm getting such a good deal on this. 
I don't care. You know, I did this one time. There was a a, a, a property, a rental property that I purchased. And, and actually, I've done this multiple times. Properties that were just priced um, so, uh, in my opinion, aggressively or properties that I wanted so badly and thought that there was such a good value for them that I went ahead and bought them and didn't, I didn't need to do inspections. Who cares? I know, I know what I'm getting, uh, is going to be valuable and it's what I've been looking for. And it's going to be hard for me to find something else like this. I don't need to to do all these inspections and to worry about all these different things. If, if we discover a major thing needs to be replaced, just replace it. No big deal. But again, you have to be in a situation uh, financially where it's not a big deal. Now, um, there's another situation where you're kind of like in between these two extremes. We talked about house that's kind of newer. We talked about houses that are older. What about that in between? And and that's where it can get really weird. Those homes that are 15 to 20 years old. Um you really need to be careful, again, if you're considering going the as-is route. If there's a home that's 15 to 20 years old that you really love, that you that you really want to get, um, it can be risky going this as-is direction in terms of, of your offer. And you need to consider several things. Um, I would recommend just kind of getting a sense of, uh, you know, does the owner seem to have taken care of this house? And you can tell, starting from the outside of the house, even with the landscape maintenance and all of that, and working your way inside the house, it gives you can get a sense of whether the owner has taken care of this. And I'm usually pretty honest with my clients. I can tell right away if a house has deferred maintenance just based on some very basic things. And I will tell them, you know, hey, this is this house... Um, this is going to be a big inspection report. There's going to be a lot of things flagged on this. And there, there's a really simple rule of thumb. If you see a lot of things wrong with the house, there's a lot more wrong with the house that you don't see. And those things, some of those things will be flagged by an inspector. Some of those things, and even the inspector won't see. And you'll find out after you buy it. So you've got to be careful in that situation. Um, a home that age, you really need to look closely at the condition of the roof. If it's 15 to 20 years old, if it has a 20-year composition shingle, um, that roof may be near the end of its life. Um, if it has its original AC unit, that AC is at the end of its life. If it has the original water heater, that water heater is at the end of its life. All of these different things um, become much more risky when you're talking about a home in that 15 to 20-year-old range where people uh, oftentimes try to extend out the lifespan of all these different things. Um if it has a crawl space, you really need to look at the crawl space. See if there are if there's a moisture barrier, if there are signs of standing water, if there are signs of fungus. Sniff around, you know, stick your head in there, sniff around. Does it smell really damp? It's always going to smell a little bit damp, but does it smell damp, mildewy? Do you get a headache um, or start to feel one coming on? And those are, are bad signs down there in the crawl space. Um, and so you have to be a lot more careful um, when you're talking about a home at that uh, at that age range in terms of, of completely waiving your inspection contingencies. Again, particularly if you're a buyer that doesn't have a lot of money in the bank. Now, um, I will mention as a caveat, 
and really we're we're here at the end this is a a shorter episode than some of the ones we've done recently um but there is one demographic that's kind of different than uh than kind of all of these that i've been talking about up to this point one demographic of buyer that i feel like has kind of a leg up in this discussion and that is an experienced uh home purchaser an experienced property purchaser someone that has move several times in a short period of time, um, or uh, an investor, for instance, someone that knows what they're, what they're looking for, they, they buy and sell properties all the time, um, or someone with a construction background. Obviously, they have a leg up. They know what to look for. They can kind of assess how much risk there is relatively quickly. Um, and that's really the best case scenario for my clients that are, are purchasing and going the as is route, um, that they kind of know what they're looking for. If you don't know what you're looking for, I will try to help you. Obviously, I have to be very careful. There's a lot of liability for me uh, that because I'm not an inspector, I can't perform uh, an inspection for you. But I can help you to identify, okay, what are some of the major systems? What are what do you need to look for? What are some of the concerns here? And so I can assist with with some of that, and I and I feel like that's something that I'm quite good at. Um, I have a background in in uh, insurance adjusting, uh, so and and not to mention that I have flipped a lot of houses. I've got rental properties. Um, I've done home uh, remodels several times over. I I know a little bit about that. Okay, let, let me just say it that way. I have to be careful not to tell not to do all that work for you at the end of the day and and tell you how you need to think about the property but i i have some experience that i can avail my clients of um and at at the end of the day um being you you've got to be confident enough in the condition of the property it just comes down to confidence if you i frequently say do you, will you sleep well at night making this offer? And that's a test I feel like it, it, that is important. And it's a test that goes both ways because sometimes a person might make an offer and then not sleep at night because they're like, oh man, I regret that I, I made that offer. That was too aggressive. I don't, or perhaps they have instant buyer's remorse. They don't like the house. Who knows what? Um, and on the flip side, you might make an offer and then not be able to sleep because you didn't know you're not sure that the offer was good enough. You don't want to wake up the next day and find out that you didn't get that house. Um, and so you need to consider all of that at the end of the day, you're emotionally invested in whatever properties you get, even uh, investment properties, um, even among investors that don't get emotionally caught up in the individual properties that they have, there's still a level of emotion to it all at the end of the day. Um, And so this is a tool in your toolbox, being able to potentially go the as-is route, but there are a lot of considerations for when it makes sense to use it, when it doesn't make sense to use it, what the risks are with using it, but it, it's something that has won over for several of my clients the past year. It's won them great uh, 
deals on on properties that that they were in multiple offer situations for that they have won because they were willing to waive basically their inspection contingency. Um, and so it's definitely something to consider. You just need to think through how risky is it for you, both from the standpoint of your personal situation and how risky is it for this deal, for this house, for this property? Is this a risky property to waive that contingency on? Every, every transaction is different. And so we have to not do a one-size-fits-all approach. We have to consider holistically every single transaction, what's going on with each one, how your situation might vary from one transaction to the next, and then make a determination from there. So that's it for today's episode. If you have any questions about any of this, please let me know. My contact information is in the show notes. Please rate, review, subscribe, download, do all of these things for the, for the episodes uh, for the show Selling Greenville if you have not done that already. And I hope until next time that you guys have a great rest of the week.